0: Now, as it was being read to you by Charlotte, I wonder, um, though perfectly delivered, I wonder if you found it hard to follow, because cards on the table, I did. Uh, And I've been thinking about this all week. And if you found it hard to follow, can I just relieve the tension? You're in good company. Um, The Apostle Peter, he writes of Paul's letters, Paul's the author here, some things in Paul's letters are hard to understand. And I think he's right, and especially so when it comes to the back end of Romans 5. There's lots of difficult things in Romans, but I think this is right up there, but it's not impossible. Um, To give you some indication of of where I've come from this week, I preached on this passage in our previous series. Uh, We looked at Romans 1 to 5, and when I preached on this passage, it took me three drafts. This makes four, and so maybe by seven o'clock tonight, you'll think I should have done a fifth. We'll see. But for all the complexity, actually, God has a very simple message in mind for us tonight, and it's this. This passage is all about reassurance. That's the overall theme of chapters 5 through 8, and so it is here, being certain that by faith in the actions of the one man, the perfect obedience the sin-bearing death, and the life-giving resurrection of Jesus Christ all those years ago, by the actions of the one man, you truly can have peace with God. And to prove the point, in this passage we get this extended comparison between the first man, Adam, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And the comparison boils down to this. Here's my one-sentence summary. What we lost in Adam has been more than restored in Jesus Christ. What we lost in Adam has been more than restored in Jesus Christ. Now, as we jump in, um, and I hope you've got access to this, but if you don't, have a look at your Bible in front of you. When it comes to a tricky passage, what I do is I highlight repeated words or themes. That way, even if I miss some of the detail, the highlights will at least point me in the right direction. So you can see, if you have a look, the word, or the phrase rather, one man is repeated throughout. You see it in verse 12, the one man. If you look down at verse 15, you find the same thing, the one man. It keeps coming up. Likewise, the word "reign," as in the reign of a kingdom. So verse 14, you'll see death reign you'll see verse 17, life reigns. Glance down at verse 21, sin reigned. Verse 21 again, grace reigns. You might have also noticed the repeated phrase of comparison, how much more? So for example, verse 15, verse 17, and again in verse 20, that phrase of comparison, how much more? I didn't highlight it, but the word gift is repeated several times too. Usually, in contrast, gift with trespass or sin. Now, we could keep going, but so far this is just information. I haven't unpacked the passage in any meaningful way, and yet we're already making progress. Because if nothing else, we're beginning to see how this passage contrasts The actions of the one man, Adam, with the actions of another, Jesus Christ. But we should be careful at the beginning to realize this is not a comparison of equals. This is a lopsided comparison where the work of Jesus Christ, that man, is far superior to the work of Adam. I've isolated verse 17 as our topic sentence for tonight. Have a look at it. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's a mouthful. At the risk of um, seeking your forgiveness in advance, let me simplify it a little bit like this. I've just taken some words out. For if by the trespass of Adam death reigned, how much more will those who receive God's grace reign in life through Jesus Christ? What we lost in Adam has been more than restored in Jesus Christ. So tonight we've got two men, we've got two kingdoms, we've got two reigns and we've got two very different outcomes. Look, the first one, my first point: Adam, we have the reign of sin and death. Look with me from verse 12. Therefore, so this concludes the previous section. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. And so, verse 13, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. That is, you can't break a law you haven't got. Okay, fair enough. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Now, that pattern of the one to come, just tuck that detail away. It's going to be important later. What we're meant to observe here in verses 12 to 14 is how the action of the one person affects the many. That's the principle here. Sadly, when it comes to Adam, he produces entirely negative results. In verse 12, Adam leads everyone and everything into a death spiral. Did you see that? Death enters through Adam's sin after sin enters through Adam. Sin enters through Adam. Death enters through Adam's sin. Death spreads from Adam to all people and death reigns because of Adam. All this, verse 19, through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Well, to put that another way, death through sin is Adam's contribution. It's not exactly the legacy you might want, but there it is. Death through sin is Adam's contribution. It's true, Eve ate from the forbidden fruit first, but it was Adam who received the command, don't do it or you'll die. So Adam's the one that is held responsible. And now, as advertised, having broken the only command he received, it's only one command and he broke it, now Adam dies. First, he dies spiritually as he's kicked out of the Garden of Eden. But then, cut off from the tree of life later, Adam will die physically too. At which point, and by way of practical implication, I want to draw your attention to the fact that death is unnatural. Death is not part of God's good created order. Elton John might sing a catchy tune, The Circle of Life, but I need to tell you there is no circle. And yet in our inventiveness, that's the polite way of putting it, in our chronic denial actually, you and I live in a culture that has learned to accommodate death. Actually, we don't even use the word very much anymore. We prefer phrases like "passed on, I don't know what that means. We'd be better simply to use the language of verse 14. Death reigns over all. It's much clearer. And strangely enough, I heard this summed up well by an investment banker who spoke better than he realised. He said, always remember everything you see is future landfill, including you. But steady on, I mean, that's a bit fatalistic, isn't it? But what about all the brilliant achievements of our species? Music, the X-ray. I mean, think of that, being able to see through flesh to bone. What about the wheel? Penicillin, the deep fryer. I could keep going. And that's to say nothing of the natural beauty we enjoy constantly. So why focus on the Negative. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. When I was a little kid, my granddad used to take me to the Easter show. This will date me. It was back in the days of the Holden Precision Racing Team, if that connects with anybody. But it's the agriculture display that I remember most. These huge rural landscapes that were recreated using fresh produce, so corn and pumpkins, fruit and grass and all those kinds of things, But for all its beauty, and it is stunning, isn't it? This display was dying from the moment it was laid out. Because in Adam's kingdom, everything breaks and everyone dies. Now, you don't have to go to the Easter show to see this and you don't have to take my word for it. When you go home tonight, just open your fridge and find those bendy carrots, find the strawberries growing that kind of funky mould, Or the grapes that are just starting to taste like cheap Chardonnay. Because remember, in Adam's kingdom, everything breaks and everyone dies. That's his contribution. And what we're learning here is that regardless of your circumstances and regardless of how someone dies, be it tragic or expected, death is a moral matter. Look at verse 12, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. How? Well, because all sinned. At which point someone will object and say, well, how did I sin? And the simple answer is the Bible teaches solidarity. Adam was our representative, which means in the garden, We are Adam and he is us. And we find this idea of solidarity with Adam hard to accept for a number of reasons, but I'll give you one. In our culture, we prize individual rights over corporate responsibility. And that sounds like this. I wasn't in the Garden of Eden I didn't do anything wrong. Someone might even be bold enough to say, if I had been in the Garden of Eden, things would have turned out differently. We're nothing if not optimistic in our denial, but just as we inherit physical and psychological characteristics from our ancestors, so it is with Adam. His rebellious and corrupted DNA affects us all. And the harsh reality that everybody dies proves the point. All of us are inescapably connected with Adam because, verse 12, all sinned. At which point I need to remind you, because it won't feel like it yet, this passage is intended to reassure us this is good news. How so? Well, because I've only given you one side of the comparison, haven't I? Remember, where Adam failed, Jesus succeeds all the more. So much so that through the saving action of Jesus Christ, we truly can have peace with God. Look at verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. We've seen that. Now the comparison. How much more will those who receive God's grace reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Remember earlier on I asked you to tuck away a detail about Adam being the pattern of the one to come? How is Adam a pattern of the one to come? The pattern is simply this. By the action of the one individual, many people are affected. That's it. That's the pattern. By the actions of the one man, many are affected. Now, we saw that in Adam's case, they were entirely negative results, weren't they? That's the only point of comparison between Adam and Jesus. The actions of the one affects the many, because after that, it's a comparison of contrast. Adam brings death. Jesus brings life. Adam rebels. Jesus obeys. Adam brings condemnation. Jesus brings reconciliation. Adam brings wrath. Jesus brings grace. Put simply, Jesus outshines Adam in every way. Look at verse 15. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, is that comparison, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? What we lost in Adam has been more than restored in Jesus Christ. There's a man who lived a long time ago called John Calvin. He puts it in old English, so you might have to kind of pin your ears back a little bit, but stay with me. This is how he sums it up. As Adam, by his ruin, involved and ruined us by his grace, so Christ, by his grace, restored us to salvation. What was lost in Adam has been more than restored through Jesus Christ. Now, in the few minutes we have remaining, I want to draw out one final implication of all of this that I hope will encourage you to press on in the Christian life or perhaps to start the Christian life for the first time. Adam's failure and our failure in Adam was monumental. It was catastrophic. But for all of our failures in Adam, and they are many, Our failures are no match for the grace that's been revealed in Jesus Christ. In Adam, all sin. But, verse 15, God's grace, his favour, overflows to the many. In Adam, all are condemned. But, verse 16, God's grace brings salvation. In Adam, all die. But, verse 17, God offers life in Jesus Christ to all who will believe. I need to ask, have you received the gift? Because that's what you do with a gift, isn't it? The gift of life is offered to you. If only you'd receive it. Paul is writing to a bunch of Christians in Rome, people he's never met. This is the church he didn't start. But he writes to people who have accepted this gift of forgiveness and peace with God, and that gift enabled these people to endure years of persecution that would follow. You know, the vision of our church really is very simple. We want to see people being transformed by Jesus. That's what we're on about. But this transformation can only begin when you accept God's gift of grace. Saying to him, Lord, you know, I am a hopeless sinner. Who would deny that? Saying to him, Lord, I deserve your judgment. Who would deny that? But on account of Jesus, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me and change me. Prayer like that never gets old. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, a right standing with God, how much more will they reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I'm reminded of an old hymn. I think we sometimes sing it at 6 p.m. It's called It Is Well. Have you ever, have you ever heard it? It's got a phrase in there. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole, was nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. What we lost in Adam has been more than restored through Jesus Christ. So will you receive the gift of peace with God? I pray that you will. And I pray now, why don't you join me? Gracious God, we do thank you for your patience towards us. We do pray in the week to come, would you keep us mindful of what it is that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus from bringing us from death to life and all that lies ahead of us over the next seven days. Would you enable us to put our trust in you and as people who have been forgiven much, would you encourage us to live as your forgiven children We ask that through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.